Hi there, Carolyn here. And I'm Bree. We are so excited to bring you our very first podcast. We are nervous as heck. Yep. And I'm going to try to not curse like a sailor, and Bree's <laughs> going to try to not crack up like she just did. So please forgive us for our, uh, our foibles. Um, so anyhow, we wanted to provide some real useful content for you and not just talk about something that we care about. So we decided to go ahead and throw out a survey and have people answer what they thought was important. So we call it your burning real estate questions. So today we're going to rank how the burning real estate questions were answered and go ahead and give you the answers to that. So first of all, you want to go ahead and start with our first okay, question, Okay, let's start. Okay. So first question. With close to 20% housing price gain in the past year, is the real estate market going to crash? Our recent survey says 93.75% are concerned about a crash. So first of all, uh, not in the near future from those of us with our boots on the ground. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah. Agree? Yeah. yeah. Um, so from our perspective, you know, we see so much lack of supply and so much demand from our buyers and, and all these buyers that are not getting their houses that they want, their dream homes, and keep trying over and over again, um, that there's not any near future of that changing. Uh, so we've had a rapid rise in value due to a lack of supply. And all this demand, a lot of it is due to the interest rates as well as the fact that we have so many first-time home buyers that are coming into the market. And they're the ones that are really struggling the most. Yep. Um, so then also... Uh, I don't know if any of you had read the recent Fortune uh, article that had come out analyzing the 2022 um, U.S. housing market. It was super interesting. Uh, Zillow is now saying that they're expecting a 13.6% gain for 2002. Goldman and Sachs has recently said 16% by the end of 2022. And on the low side was CoreLogic's predicting 2.2% growth. Hmm. So the worst case scenario is not a crash. There's no crash, guys. So, shh, not going to happen. <laughs> um, so <laughs> uh, in the middle is Fannie Mae saying 7.9% for 2002, which is closer to the normal. So the normal rate is 4.1%. That would be just, just a normal, you know, we're, we're streaming along, everything's cool. 4.1% every year. So it's still double the normal, but that would be a normal, more of a normal rate. Um, in addition to that, Fannie Mae is predicting that interest rates are going to rise up to 3.4% uh, by year end. So 3.1 to 3.4, that's really not that much. So that's not a drastic rise in interest rates quite yet. I'm sure it'll happen, but uh, 2022, probably not. So we can safely assume no crash in 2022. Woohoo. Okay, yeah. second question. Okay. Is the real estate market slowing down? 75% of people surveyed are concerned. So, slow down. What does that mean? Uh, we actually had 20% rise this past year, right? So, that's approximately. Every every city's a little bit different. Um, and so, with the, the range of appreciation prediction for 2022 that I already mentioned, 2.2% uh, being the lowest, then we can safely say that... Uh, that it's not exactly slowing down, it's just slowly slowing down. So we don't have anything major about to happen. And then with unprecedented growth, we can safely say that 2022 will be a slower equity rise in 2021, but it could still be significantly higher than most great years. So if the uh, normal good year is about 4.1%, 
we're still going to be have a good year. So slowdown is relative. Yeah. This you year was just insane. Yeah. You can't sustain <laughs> 20% every single damn year, people. Yeah. Okay? No. Um, all right. So next. Okay. Third question. 50% of people we surveyed are thinking they should go directly to the listing agent to buy a home. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love this one. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, so first I want to give a little education on what, what that means. So that's called dual agency. When dual agency is uh, something where the, the listing agent is also going to be the buyer's agent. So that's what it's called, is dual agency. And there are a lot of states that don't even allow dual agency. So California allows it, which is great if, as long as people can do it well and fairly and advocate for the buyers as well. Um, but I also wanted to just point out that in our Realtor Code of Ethics, we have the highest fiduciary duty to whomever hires us first. So in reality, if the seller hires you first or is hired uh, first, then that realtor in a, in a crunch, their fiduciary duty is to the seller, technically. So I just wanted to point that out. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, it may not really make that much sense, but, but it could be an issue. Um, so um, buyers often assume that if they go directly to the listing agent, the commission is paid uh, for agents paid for the agents is different. So often that's not the case. So the way that our commissions are determined is based on the listing contract. So the listing, if the listing contract doesn't point that out, then the commission may be, they, the agent may be getting both sides of the commission. So yep. don't assume just because you go to the listing agent that they're only getting their listing side. And so that means that there's going to be a cut in price. That's not how it works. So um, that, that is negotiation. And also it's a challenging market for buyers. Uh, with the record low supply. So wouldn't you want an advocate who's going to fight for you and do what you need first and foremost, not for the seller? So that's the the main reason why uh, it's best to have your own agent is because uh, we as agents, you know, we do a lot, right, mm -hmm. to negotiate for buyers. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that we do the best for you. And the listing agent, you know, they're busy. They've got 50 offers. They, you know, they're not really looking out for you, but your buyer's agent is. Okay. Okay. Number four, is this a good time to buy a home? A whopping 81.25% of the people we surveyed questioned this. So this was our biggest percentage. Um, so definitely there's a lot of questions because we have had 20% growth. Right? Mm -hmm. So we have buyers out there that are like, okay, is this, should we put the brakes on? Is this, you know, is this not the time to buy a home? So there's a lot of different factors. You know, first of all, you have to do what's best for you and your family. I mean, I'm going to say that in every one of these questions. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, but the purchase interest rates today are under two, under 2.9% often. And, it, you know, depending upon the type of loan program. So let's just say it's 3%. 3% over 30 years is pretty darn low compared to 5%, which is what it was not that long ago. So in the long run, um, your interest rate matters. Prices matter, but so do your interest rates. Um, and then if we end up with the Fannie Mae prediction of 7.9% growth for 2022, if somebody bought a home, let's say in December of this year, heck, they're going to have almost 8%. That's double a great year. It's still amazing equity gain. So you have to really look at the big picture. Yes, we may not have a 20% gain next year. Hopefully we won't because that just seems ludicrous. Um, but you're still going to have a pretty decent gain even in 2022. And then um, 
Also, another factor, the, the earlier Americans get into homeownership, the faster they accumulate wealth. Uh, the long-term appreciation is the safest and often the fastest way to build wealth. And there's been studies that have shown that homeowners are 70% more wealthy than renters. That's huge. So you're setting a precedent, a legacy for your entire family. So it makes a huge difference. 70% is a huge number. So it's, and I know Bree's saving for a house right now. Yeah. I mean, it just, it depends. Like at my age, everyone is scared of getting in the market. However, prices are just going to go up and so are interest rates. So I think it's a great time because you're also saving money. It just depends if you're scared about the competition and just going over and people, people are scared about the homes being flipped with prices, but it's just a great time because you, in the end, you are saving money and we see that prices are just going to keep rising. So it's a good time to get in, like Carolyn said, if it's a good time to get in for you and if it's the right time. Right. But And that's my last point is that, you know, if it's best for your family, if it's best for your, your investment situation, then yeah, it's, it's a good time. If you're thinking that you might be, you know, having to move in three years, you might want to think twice about it. I don't know. I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say no, but you just want to think about what could happen. But if you're planning on being that, in that home for seven years, it's a no-brainer. Yep. You're, you're not going to go anywhere else and that, get that kind of uh, equity. Mm-hmm. Okay, next. Okay. Should I refinance my home now? 32.5% of our people surveyed were concerned with refinancing. So uh, actually, three. 32.5 is not that much. So clearly people have gotten the message and they have refinanced. So that what that tells us is that most of you have refinanced. Um, but as a matter of fact, today I had a good friend uh, let me know that she was going to be refinancing and asking me about rates and lenders. So there are still people, a few people out there that, that might want to consider refinancing. Um, so if your rate's over 3.5%, by all means, refinance. Um, as long as your credit's good, your debt-to-income ratio makes sense, and you have at least 30% equity. So there are a lot of parameters that you have to meet. Um, if you have a non-owner-occupied loan and it's higher than 4%, then you should definitely refinance as well because non-owner-occupied loan rates were very high um, at one point. So if you haven't done that, you definitely want to do that. Okay. Number six, should I sell my home now? 69% from our survey are wondering this. Another long-winded answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the number one thing to consider is what it, if it's right for you. And that's what I'll say for all of these um, questions for the most part, uh, for you and your family at this moment in time. So you need to think about what your pressing need is. Is moving to another state? Is it moving to another state? Do you need more space? Um, I know a lot with COVID, a lot of people are feeling like they need more space. Um, they need offices and and kids need more space. Or do you need less space? And there's a lot of people that, that realize that they don't need all of that they have and they want to downsize. A lower monthly cost, a single level. I know a lot of people in our area are looking to get rid of their their tri-levels like mine or or their uh, two, two stories. Less maintenance. Mm-hmm. And actually, I mean, you could kind of share your, your clients that are moving out of state, you know? Yeah. I mean, they just, there's two stories and they, they're older. They're an older couple and they would just like to not have to garden or, um, they're getting an HOA so they can take care of the outside of the house. And, you know, I mean, it just makes sense for them. I mean, and then also me, I'd like to move into a townhouse at first too, because I don't know how to garden. <laughs> so We'll get there though. There you go. Lots of things to consider. Um, also, do you need to free up some home equity to fund other things such as assisted living? I've had, you know, friends and, and 
close ones around me that have needed that, uh, free up the home equity to fund other things, um, healthcare, investing in a business, investing in income property. So if any of those are a yes, then definitely you wanna consider it and talk to your realtor. So if you're trying to time the market as well, um, that's a little trickier. So we all want to time the market and sell at the, at the perfect time. I mean, that's human nature, right? We want, we want the best, we wanna get the most. But you need to consider several factors. So first, where will you go? If you'll be renting, make sure you evaluate that you would have to pay, how much you would have to pay to live happily because the rates, the rental rates really do vary. You know, a, a two bedroom condo versus a five bedroom house, it, it's gone up a lot. So the, the um, rental rates have actually gone up faster than the home prices. So we're looking at 20%. In some mm -hmm. areas, the rental rates are more like 25%. Mm -hmm. So you really have to take that into consideration. I have a question for you. Yes. So with the market being as it is right now, a lot of people are scared to sell because they don't know where they'd go. Mm -hmm. What's your answer to that? Well, again, that's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> I'm... Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's challenging to rent if you are going to need a large home because rental rates are so high. Mm -hmm. So if you're if you're going to be renting, you definitely want to think about that. Um, but if you ha have an area identified, the, that is what the next thing I was going to talk about, how we're going to actually make sure that it's the right move for you. Um, you want to make sure that you look at the um, the current listings to see what you could afford. So either way, actually, whether you're doing a rental or you're going to buy, you want to make sure you can afford what you want. Um, and you need to just make sure that those numbers, you know, work out for you. And then if that is the, that is the, the decision you're going to be making, then you need to consult with your realtor and you need to sit down and put together a plan. And, and it is not impossible. It is not unusual I'd say probably, I don't know what the percentages are, but I would say from my own experience, at least 25% are in a situation where they have to sell in order to buy. Mm -hmm. So it's possible people do it. It's a little bit complicated, but if you hire a professional, they'll help you walk, help walk, walk you through it. So mm -hmm. it's possible. Um, okay, next. Okay, number seven. Less than 40% of our survey takers wondered if it is a seller's market. So it, that was interesting. Clearly, everyone got the memo on that, too. Most people do think it is a seller's market, so I mm -hmm. think that's pretty clear. Um, so with the 20% equity gain this year and the lopsided demand of buyers taking advantage of 3% interest rates, it will continue to be a seller's market. So even if uh, even uh, if we end up with you know 7% next year, that's still a seller's market. Instead of getting 15 offers, though, maybe it'll be 1, 2, 3, 4, or 5. It's yeah. still a seller's market. Yep. I mean... Back in the old days, we'd have to wait 30 to 60 days just to get one offer, and then it may be a lowball. So it is still a seller's market, even at even at 7 8% gain. Yep. Okay. Will home prices go down in 2022? Over 80% of our survey takers were questioning if prices will go down. This was funny to me. <laughs> it goes hand in hand with the whole crash, right? I, I think that especially those of us that lived through the the great recession you know we have fear there's fear and people wanting to take take advantage of opportunity people don't want to buy it at the at the top so they want to make sure they're not the one that buys at the very very top in 2006 or, or the early 2007 so I think that's where a lot of this comes from um, but 
with economists predicting what we already talked about, you know, that the gains are going to be between 2% to just under 20%, they're really it, it, there's not, it, it's not like there's anything going down. Now, there may be some little pockets here and there that, you know, the industry has changed. So this isn't a national answer because there are areas where, you know, maybe a big, a big employer has left town. So yeah, that's different. But in general, no, they're not going down and probably not in 2023 either. So, yeah. you know, that's what unless, we're seeing. unless something big happens that we just can't foresee. Yep. Okay. Our survey question, what do I have to do to sell my house, was about equal in importance. So people do not seem to be too concerned about what it takes <laughs> to sell their home. Yeah, which this this one kind of shocked me because yep. people do have so much fear about selling that I was surprised. I thought people would have a lot of issues around, gosh, you know, I, I, I don't know. What are all the things I have to do? Because it seems to me from my experience with the boots on the ground that people don't sell their home because they are overwhelmed. Yes. Right? Have Definitely. you experienced that too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, we, we know that we have to do all this stuff. We just don't have time right now or blah, blah, blah. But yeah. yes. Right. Definitely. So that was a surprise. Um, so, you know, a little bit of spit and shine, uh, that's always going to get you a higher selling price. But even if you have the scary, neglected home that faces the freeway and backs to the train tracks, even your home will sell. <laughs> so, yeah, you don't really have to do anything. But if you do, you're going to benefit. Oh, yeah. Okay. Our survey question, what are mortgage rates? Yielded over 50% not being too concerned. Right. So again, you know, the message out on this one. So right rates for purchases are just under 3%. Some are you know, just under 3% to a little bit over. Um, and 3.5% approximately for non-owner occupied. So, uh, you know, it's it's been fairly consistent. Yeah. All right. We move on. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> oh, this is the big one. <laughs> Ooh, okay, so let's just preface yes, this with, yes. so we had a box that we allowed people to ask their own questions, and it's just so lovely how people go right for the jugular and ask the really hard questions that yes. are going to have to be really answered on another podcast, so yes. thank you for content. We appreciate you. But she's going to dive in. <laughs> just a little bit. A little, <laughs> little short answers. It's supposed to be short. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll just go right in. Uh, someone asked, what are advantages of individual realtors versus investor companies? Oh, yeah, that's a big one that us realtors talk about all the time. I don't think that that necessarily consumers talk about it, but it's a big, big yeah. thing because it obviously what, you know, that's potentially changing our industry. So I will explain because I think that people don't necessarily know what that question means. So I will let you know what that means. So there's different types of investor companies. So first, you will have an investor company that will solicit listings that and they're often an investment company who flips to buy or rent. So, you know, you know, they're maybe a smaller, it could be a smaller investment company. Sometimes they're pretty big as well, but they typically buy very, very, very low. Um, so they have a lot of room to put money into it and flip it. So, um, so because of that, you're going to get a lot less money for your house. You'll have ease because they'll just walk in and take it, but you're you're probably looking at at a minimum twenty percent because it ha they have to have enough margin to sell. And a lot of times it's thirty percent. Who wants to leave thirty percent of their home equity on the table? That doesn't make sense. Um, second investor company would be the big boys: Zillow, Redfin, Open Door. Don't we love our Zillow? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, they advertise. I love their marketing. Zillow, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And yeah. I've been partnering with them for yeah. years. I, I appreciate them. I, I know they do a great job at what they do. But they, they advertise as if everything is so e easy and it's all for you. Even their advertising campaign 
if you saw the one about the ladies, like me, 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 me. <laughs> Actually, the funny thing is it's them, 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 them. It's not me, 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 because they're not looking out for you. They are potentially going to give you a pretty good offer on your home. So let me explain how that works. Um, so they'll go ahead and give you some sort of value that they determine often off, like in Zillow's case, off of their estimate. But then they have selling fees. They don't call them commissions. And they like the what their advertising campaign is basically you know, you don't have to pay for realtor fees. Well, you don't. You're just paying Zillow fees. So you are paying fees. So it isn't free. You're, they aren't just offering you that Zestimate with no, no, no strings attached. There is there is cost involved because they have to give themselves a little bit of room for some uh, sprucing up and potentially their cost to sell. Now, with that being said, we have seen some crazy prices that Zillow has paid. So yes, that has happened. But guess what, guys? Zillow has now left the market for the rest of the year because mm -hmm. they probably are losing money hand over fist because they've done a lot of stupid things like offering too much on properties. And then in addition to that, their whole process has really not been well prepared. Yeah. So yeah, I think they're losing reading. money. Yeah, I think they're losing money on escrow. Yeah. They're probably losing money everywhere oh, right gosh. now because they just jumped in without a lot of preparation. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what the the uh, the second investor is. And then, uh, then um, using a traditional realtor. So why would you use a tra traditional realtor? So First of all, it's intimate market knowledge. So we know we know who the people, the actual people, not just the numbers, not just the estimate, not just the the you know one mile radius what sold in your area, um, but we we know the market intimately. We know what the school districts are and why that matters. So it's a different it's a different experience just from knowledge, um, and then we also know that who the buyers are in that area. So we can help you with that too. And knowing, you know, wh who those buyers are, what, what that really means. You might be in an area that buyers are willing to pay so much more because of the schools. Zillow doesn't take any of that into account. Um, so that's another thing. Um, they also will walk you through how to prep your home, get the most money, how, and how to fill out disclosures, escrow, uh, and also replacement of your, your home, whether it's rental or a purchase. So they're there to really be your guide through the whole process. And any of the big time investors, no, they they do their thing and then they're done. Um, there's no walking you through. So it's just, it's a completely different experience. I mean, that, that there is a place for them, but for most people, it's, you're leaving a lot of money on the table potentially. And you also have a very different experience too. All right. Okay. Yeah. And I, I mean, could have gone on, but just by the way, I could have gone on for a half an hour on that. Yeah. So and we, that short. I mean, even when you just mentioned the disclosures part, that's scary. It is scary. You know, yeah. that's for, something. Oh, not for us. No, for, for, for if, a, if, they're, if clients aren't being guided, they could easily just get sued and just have so many problems. Yeah. So if they're not, if, if you're not being guided correctly, it's just, it's a hard process. So yes, I agree. Traditional <laughs> is the way to go. Um, okay, so next question. What are the hot places to buy in and out of state? Well, that's something that is, again, another podcast. So I mm -hmm. really can't answer that question without uh, spending a lot of time on it. But um, if it's hot now, it's probably too late. Just think about it that way. Because you probably already miss a boat, especially if it's been hot for over a year. You know, there are certain areas like Austin and, and, and Boise that have been hot for a long time. Now, Austin's a little weird because, I know that's their slogan, but um, because of Tesla and all of the th changes that they're, all the money they're bringing in. So they might last a little bit longer, but 
just in general to answer the question, if you do choose to buy in an area that is still considered hot, your safest bet is going to be new construction mm -hmm. and new construction that has a lot of additional phases and also other projects in the area. So then you know that home prices are going to keep going up because if you are the last phase and you don't know of any other projects going in, that's a little risky. Mm -hmm. So that's one way to be a little safer. And then also you have less maintenance too because it's new construction. So, yep. and in fact, her client, we were just talking about it. Aren't they doing new construction? Oh yeah. It's just easier. Yeah. yeah. And what state are they going to? Uh, oh gosh. They're going to Washington. Oregon. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. They're downsizing, making it easy and brand new. Yep. Okay. Um, okay. And also you want to make sure that you take you take a look at um, how what the cost is of ownership. So there are a lot of big, big differences in different states and how they do, do their taxation, their property tax. So like for instance, in Texas, they uh, their property tax, tax is very different. It's a much higher rate and then every year you're reassessed at full market value. So if the prices are shooting up, that means your property tax is going up. So make sure that the rental rates um, are in alignment and will continue to go up like your property tax will. So keep in mind that all the whole cost of ownership should be in your analysis. Um, so it's a big question and we'll go into this again. So, Okay. Is the current housing market affecting the buying and selling of mobile homes? Um, so not so much. Um, and that's unless the, the mobile home is on own land. So if you own the land because property is or land values are going up, um, then possibly yes. Uh, lease land, which is what most mobile home parks are, then somebody else owns the land. And you basically are paying a lease to, to have your, your structure on there. So if you own the land, maybe. And then also if it's on permanent foundation, you own the land even more so. So that's considered more like a, a regular home. But uh, so, but there are some areas like Palm Springs and also a lot of the beach, like right on the beach communities. Those are because those are like, those are vacation homes. Oh, yeah. so, so that's different. So mm -hmm. homes, mobile homes that are in vacation destinations, those are still appreciating a pretty decent clip. But, um, but because mobile homes are actually not real property, they're not real estate, they're actually personal property. So there is the depreciation issue. So it, a mobile home on leased land is technically depreciating because it's getting older. So um, that is one of the issues. Then the other issue that we have with um, mobile really seeing the effects of this great housing market is that the, the property owners are increasing the leases a lot. So that makes the affordability difficult yep. for people. So they're capitalizing on the appreciation, but unfortunately, the people that own the mobile homes aren't able to capitalize it in the same way. So that's the long answer to that. Okay, and now we're on to a big one. Uh, <laughs> I think I, did I say that one for last? No, I have another one. Okay, well, <laughs> we got this. Okay, has there been any new legislation in California that might affect sellers? Okay, so I'm going to answer this with the the newest one because I have a feeling that's why this person asked, whomever it was, they asked this question. Um, and that is the Senate Bill 9 that was recently um, uh, signed into law just in September. So that will be allowing uh, most homeowners to build two homes or duplex on a plot zoned for a single house and in some cases split the lot and build two additional homes. And... Uh, 
starting on January 1st. And the total number of units on a single lot is limited to four. But the criteria is pretty strict. So not too many homes are going to qualify. So when this all came out, everybody's freaking out. Like, oh, my God, oh, my God, there's going to be duplexes and fourplexes and, and people are going to be subdividing the lots. But there's a lot of, of strict criteria that must be met. And so actually the same study that was used to push this, this uh, law forward was actually uh, said that less than 5% of the California homes would qualify. So hmm. the odds are pretty low that you're going to see a significant change. But yes you may see some changes and specifically maybe in some neighborhoods more than others, but 5% is fairly minimal. So I just wanted to address it, but I think that's, people really do think that all of a sudden, you know, their neighborhood's going to hell in a handbasket. So, and I also think that it's going to be challenged probably in 2022. So who knows what it's going to look like. So we'll see how that all plays out. Um, Okay, so the new legislation that actually does directly affect sellers in in 2021 is Prop 19 that was passed last year. So you remember that when that first came out and we Mm -hmm. had all kinds of, everybody was asking questions about that. Um, That actually does affect sellers. So Mm -hmm. it specifically affects sellers because um, there's two portions of it, but the portion that affects sellers specifically, um, most sellers that are going to be utilizing this is the people that are over 55. So people over 55 now can transfer their tax bases to any county in California. Previously, it was only nine counties and we have a lot of counties. I don't know how many. Do you know how many? Oh gosh. Okay. So, (laughs) but only nine counties. Um, and you you had to purchase a home that was less expensive than the home that you sold. Well, we live in California and people, a lot of times, you know, they may want to spend a little more and live at the beach, you know, maybe they were inland and now they want to live at the beach and they couldn't they couldn't transfer the tax basis so certainly they could do it but they wouldn't be able to transfer their tax basis so um, now anybody can transfer their tax basis so if you buy a home that's a million I mean if you sell a home that's a million and you're gonna buy one that's 1.2 you get to transfer the tax basis up to a million and then the 200,000 will be taxed at the actual um, market tax rate mm-hmm. so that's how they are addressing that. So you can buy whatever you want, basically. So that's actually really cool. It's a great addition. We can go all over um, and, and it makes it very easy. The second part of Prop 19, and a lot of people are not happy on this one. Yeah. Uh, this one's about inheritance. So I'm sure you've heard a lot about that. And again, all of this legislation we could spend an hour talking about. So I know there's people have a lot of thoughts on this and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. But basically, it's the inheritance component to parents, grandparents, to their children and grandchildren, and it has so many features to go over, but the basics are that if you have an estate with a house that's worth 1.5 million, a vacation home, a commercial building, the property tax will be adjusted to current value. So the way it is now, it's not, it stays at the, so when the person inherits, so let's say you've got a family that they've got all this amazing, they've got a beachfront home, it's $5 million, right? And then, but but the, uh, the heirs have modest incomes, and all of a sudden, they have a tax rate of $5 million and, you know, they're making $120,000 a year. It can't work. So they're going to have to sell. So it will force people to sell, unfortunately, in certain circumstances. So that's the big outcry in this. But it does allow you to transfer the tax basis if it's going to be um, up to a million dollars if for the primary residence, not for any of the income properties, but for the primary residence, if that person is living in it. So if the person inherits it, they want to live in it, cool, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and transfer the tax basis. So there are a little caveats, but again, I have a feeling this one's going to be challenged that's as what well. I'm thinking too. Yeah. That's, 
insane. It's it's harsh. Yeah, it goes from you know, it it basically no no restriction to everything is is upended and every and everyone feels like they have to sell everything. Yeah, it's like new ownership. It has it's not even doesn't even sound like inheritance. It's like right. It's not new home. (laughs) It's not. You have to sell it. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah. So that one is very problematic. Mm -hmm. Um, So in recap, um, what. People wanted to know the market isn't crashing next year. That's pretty clear. Um, it will see more appreciation. Rates are going to stay pretty low. If you need to sell, yay you. <laughs> You're going to have, you know, yep. a, quite a nice a, a nice appreciation oh, yeah. uh, to take advantage of. And just to be clear on the numbers for your new uh, domicile, buyers should not be waiting for the prices to go down unless they can wait a long time. So I don't know. What do you think? I I mean I'm not waiting because <laughs> okay. I just think they're gonna keep going up. We're gonna get Bree a house next year. That's my 2022. <laughs> Bree's gonna be a homeowner. Yes. Yes. Um, and we also have lots of topics. So thank you for sharing with us, and we're looking forward to talking again. Yeah, this is exciting. Yeah, great. We'll get more out. Info Thanks for watching. Out there. Thank you. Thank you.